Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This recording may contain content unsuitable for children. Hey everybody and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from blind beggars to behemoth barbarians. And today, we're taking a trip to the Feywild. Prepare yourselves. I cast Fireball. Will, paint, yes. me, paint me a word picture. Paint, <laughs> take me, take me to the Feywild. Take you to a faraway place. Take me to the faraway Feywild. I'll, I'll do my best. Um, now, when it comes to the Feywild, you and the rest of you players in my game have a little bit of experience. Um, a little and, bit too much, if you ask me. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I think most people who have experience with the Fey think that. Um, That's a wrong thing. I had fun. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> Before we delve deep into the the rich topic that is uh, the Fey and the Fey Wild, um, let's talk a little bit about what your take on it is, just from your experience with the Fey. Okay, because um, um, you guys have you guys have, have dealt with a few tricky tricky things that are Fey of origin. Yeah, tricky is is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, you know, you try to do you try to do your normal checks and nothing's working, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> right? And it's that it's that patented hashtag fake bullshit. Right. Um, right. So yeah, the, it's it's weird in there, man. Like the things that you think are are good and right, and the and the good the good courses of action to take can like get easily just get thrown on their head. Yeah. Um, the creatures there are like real mischievous and crazy and sometimes very very dangerous yeah, and um, yeah, absolutely yeah i'm glad that um the fey is mostly contained even though it seems like it's kind of starting to like spread its we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that because uh that we're, we're, we'll talk about like what the classical um relationship with the fey and the prime material plane is and also like the small slight differences in like my world um because 
uh, in character and out of character, you probably don't have a good grasp on how that all works. Yeah, it's um, it was real confusing. A lot of wisdom checks, um, yeah, like yeah. illusions and stuff to, illusions, to break yeah. through or it's to, to trial and error through more like how we right. did. <laughs> kind of just clunkered through it all and, and took it. Um, okay. a lot of damage died going on. In oh that yeah. Place. Yeah. You guys had a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, uh, but I really liked, um, some of the things that happened, like, um, is blue fire generally like something that is Fae of the Fae? origin? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, kind of, I mean, I've seen it and that's where I got my idea. I meant mostly the, the will-o'-wisp is a creature, yeah. which though it's considered undead, it's also classically tied to the Fae mm-hmm. and, uh, it usually burns blue. Like right. that's, that's pretty classical. Um, I've also seen, uh, I think I was playing, uh, what was it, uh, Dragon Age? And they have, uh, there's a blue type of fire that's tied to, not exactly the Fae, but like, I guess you could call it equivalent in that game called the Fade, which okay. uh, it's actually more tied to like uh, uh, demons and whatnot, but it, it it runs very reminiscent to me w- when I was playing the game, especially how uh, it has to do with dreams and whatnot. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know that much about Dragon Age lore, so I don't want to talk too much about something I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about D&D right We're now. We're talking about D&D. When, um, when, you, go, when you go to the Fae Wilds... Mm-hmm. You don't really have to try too hard to get there necessarily. Depending someplace... on depending on where you are, and, and okay. Depending on how you get there, it was someplace we could walk into because of where you were. And right. We'll, we'll talk about that. So basically, actually, uh, from what you've just said right now, and like your take on the Fae, it makes me feel actually kind of happy because I'm like, okay, I did a good job of portraying the Fae, mm-hmm. which is something that I always worry about when trying to portray something that is so difficult for humans to understand. Yeah. Like, am I even one. doing this? Right? How do I describe this in, in otherworldly thing that doesn't exist? Right. Like, and it's so foreign and, and far removed from reality. Exactly. How do I make my players relate? Yeah. I, I, I get you. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, um, just for clarification for our viewers and listeners, this episode is going to be mostly about, uh, the Feywild as a place, as a, as a plane of existence in, in, the world, uh, in the mythos of D anD D, and in, in the world of your campaign, and it's fantasy, um, natural fantasy setting. Yeah, and uh, and of course we're going to talk about variations. I, I've personally seen on on like fey type uh, places, domains, if you will. Um, and of course we're going to talk about the inhabitants. We're going to touch on fey creatures and the types of things that live there, but um, we're not going to be delving too deep into uh, the lore and ideas behind things like arch fey. And um, and like the way like maybe the societies necessarily work in the Feywild because I want to reserve that for an episode uh, where we talk strictly about the things that live in the Fey, like a monster mythos uh, episode about the Fey, and then later on we might do more individual episodes on things like Eladrin or things like um, Fomorians and 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 other like specific creatures that live in the Fey. Um, but today we're going to focus on the place. So in Classic vanilla D&D lore, the way it works is um, the main world in which like everything usually happens, in which the humans and the halflings and the dwarves and all of them live, is called the Prime Material Plane. It's just the prime main area where mortals live. And there are planes that surround um, the Prime Material Plane, and there are like planes like the positive planes, like the Astral Sea, where like gods and deities technically make their realm. And then, of course, there's the negative uh, planes like the Abyss and the Nine Hells where demons and devils and maybe even evil deities make Things their like realm. Things like Hades. Yeah, Hades. Yeah. That's, that's actually one of the realms. Excuse me. Nice. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and like, there's just a plethora of uh, realms or planes, if you will, 
uh, with yeah, is all that like kinds the of shadow things. There's a shadow, which uh, let me let me get to that. There are you have these outer planes, and of course we've talked a little bit about uh, beyond those outer re- planes. There's the the far realm, um, but really really close to the prime material plane, there are these realms, these two realms, which are considered um, reflections of the prime material plane. Now the lore of how these reflections were made varies a little from edition to edition. Okay. But the basic understanding I have is that the Feywild and the Shadowfell are two extreme reflections of the Prime Material Plane where um, when the Prime Material was being made in, in the beginning creation story, um, there were parts of material and magics and whatnot that were either too bright and powerful and magical or too grim and dark and, and shadowy to uh, make it into the actual... Uh, uh, object that is the prime material plane. Okay, and those too extreme, too ex- too extreme in either direction. And those bits and pieces, if you will, coalesced into their own dark or light reflections of the prime material plane. And the Feywild would be the light one, if you will, the bits that were too magical, too um, saturated in color, if you will, too colorful, too crazy and wild so and it's out of control. Safe to say, too chaotic, a little too, too- chaotic. Yeah, I would yeah. say definitely chaotic is is definitely. An aspect of the Feywild. Uh, <laughs> there, although there is a, a certain law and order, if you will, it makes such little sense to normal human minds that, like, it might as well be chaos in a way. Yeah, but they do have their own uh, Fey code or understanding. Yeah, we'll talk about that. It's like a brotherhood of their own uniqueness. Mm, kinda, kinda, yeah. Um, in the Monster Mythos character, uh, in the Monster Mythos episode, we will get more into uh, the blue orange morality that is the Fey morality, and we'll also talk about like. Seely versus Unseely Fey, which you probably don't know. Anything oh yeah, about, no, we we talked a little bit about that in okay. the campaign. So. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, we did. I forgot because you guys got attacked by Darklings, and yes, I had to kind of yes. like talk about how these weren't the same. And somebody did a pretty good check, and yeah, yeah. that was it. Oh yeah, Thanic, of course. You know, oh yeah, he's a smart one, smart boy. Um, so uh, I miss Thanic. I uh, know it's been a while <laughs> since we played. <laughs> um, um, so yes, uh, so that's how the the Feywild and Shadowfell, the the creation mythos goes um that they're uh, a reflection of the prime material plane and the way that's described in um the dungeon master's guide is that geographically the feywild and the prime material plane match to a certain extent a mountain mm-hmm. in uh the prime material plane might be um a beautiful like um snow-capped peak with like a crystal pillar on it the size of a skyscraper um, well, like a um, a lush and um, lively forest in the prime material plane might be um, a deep and magical jungle on the fey, uh wild side of things. Okay. And um, the way that one usually would cross between um, the Feywild and the prime material plane is there are certain points called fey crossings. Okay. And the way those work is there are certain points in either world that are so closely resemblant of each other that they start to kind of cross over things get thin and they're they're mm-hmm. they're relatable enough where you can stand there exactly and because of that some of these fake crossings are really um what's the word sensitive ah. so that like it could be as simple as someone pushing a boulder over makes it different enough that the fade crossing doesn't exist anymore um, on either side. That like, can be it, troubling. That could be troubling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Getting trapped it, in the fade wild. A lot of neat. times. Yeah, a lot not, of times. Not neat, but neat. Cool. Right. A lot of times these fade crossings uh, are sensitive to time. 
because maybe the resemblance between the two areas isn't necessarily exact enough except for at twilight the light hits it just right and suddenly there's a fey crossing Ooh, or maybe that's fun at night under a full moon or at night under no moon or there's there's always like during the equinox yeah when the planets align <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that there's actually a lot of that when it comes to the fey uh, <laughs> and it's usually uh, tied to the stars and the moon it seems uh, very, very spiritual place um it's a very magical place magical um Magic is inherent in the Feywild. Magic is more potent, more chaotic, more unpredictable, and uh, more familiar to the beings that live there. More familiar to the beings that live there. They uh, things like gnomes and uh, Elagian and elves, like they live and breathe magic. Magic is their life's blood. Like right. uh, versus uh, in the Prime Material Plane, you got to fight a little bit harder, know a little bit more, maybe know some of the right people to kind of get that same access to magic. And um, I like to actually. Um, um, I guess role play that in in my games where if you guys are in a Fey Touch place or in the Fey Wild and one of you guys is a arcane magic user, I might have a random uh, magic table that I roll whenever that person does a spell or maybe if they crit, I make some sort of extra effect. But I like there Ooh. to be a little bit of an unpredictability to the use of magic. When some response in an area like of that. the area, yeah, like reverberation of like, oh, there's magic here, and it's going to trigger other magics. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Now, the general rule for the Feywild in comparison to the Prime Material Plane is it's like the regular world dialed to eleven. Like it's the color saturation is way higher. Yeah. Um, the plant life way lusher. Uh, like I just said, the magic is way more potent and powerful. Is the Fey always foresty? I always get a picture of it being like very natural and like no structures and foresty. Traditionally, yeah, it's going to be mostly foresty and maybe jungly. Um, there, there is a underdark version uh, in the Feywild called the Fey Dark, okay, which uh, is very reminiscent to the Underdark and the Prime Material Plane. But it's more uh, there's more like glowing crystals and maybe magical mists in the air, and like it's just again the Underdark dial to eleven when it comes to magic and nature. Cool. Um, but I've seen iterations of the Feywild where there are areas that have nothing to do with forest. Um, there, uh, there's lots of lore when it comes to like winter Fey and uh, like just whole Arctic tundras and whatnot. Oh, what? Um, which not, I, not like the Fey has like seasons that like there's a separate place with just like it's like more snowy all the time. Is that what kinda, you mean? Yeah, we're, we'll talk about that and when when we get to it later in this episode. But uh, there are variations on the Fey that I like a lot, and I want to talk about. The variations on how people portray the Feywild. Okay. But in vanilla D&D, the way the Feywild is traditionally portrayed is it's a lot of greenery, a lot of magic, uh, mostly forest and nature. There's a Fey Dark. Um, and it's perpetually twilight, and that okay. never changes. That's cool. Uh, which is it is cool. It's not how I portray my Fey Wild, and it's not how I've seen some other people do it, but we'll talk about that How later. do you portray your Fey? Um, my Fey Wild uh, is more chaotic i i do i have a, a day and night sequence like normal but i also have like there are certain areas of the fey that are in perpetual season okay. because in my in my fey wild i have arch fey who are sovereigns over the seasons oh sweet um, yeah that's pretty cool mm-hmm. I, I think so and um also um i like some concepts from um the name of the wind where uh Kvoth, when he goes to the fey um he finds that as he goes in certain directions, time changes. Uh-huh. Um, while where he was was perpetually twilight, and when he ventures like X amount of distance to the east, it starts to just become nightfall randomly. Um, versus in a different direction, it becomes daytime. And I've seen, and it's not just the name of the wind that I've seen that. I've seen that in some other. Uh, and that's Studio Ghibli, right? 
Is that Name of the Wind? No, Name of the Wind is a is a book uh, by uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Oh. So he's my favorite author in the world. Um, he's only written two books, but they're amazing. And it's part <laughs> of the trilogy called The King Killer Chronicles. I highly recommend it to anyone who likes uh, fantasy literature. I, I think it's just amazing, amazing writing. Patrick Rothfuss is a, a fucking big wizard with words. Yeah. Um, so uh, so th- those are some variations. But the vanilla is that um, the Feywild is perpetually twilight. And... Um, there is another thing in the vanilla lore of the Feywild, and and I like this. And this comes from like old school mythology when it comes to things that are Fey, mm-hmm. and it's uh, called I think it's called like time distortion. Okay. Basically, those that visit the Fey um, will experience everything normally, but upon returning to the mortal uh, realm, um, they are going to have to make a save uh, for two things i well i think they make a save for one thing and the dm is going to roll for another thing the thing that they're going to try and save against is their memories of being in the fey oh um there there's going to be some time distortion for them they might not remember things at all they might forget all the time they spent in the fey wild oh they remember going in they remember coming out they don't remember what happened they don't know how they got these scratches on their arms they they don't know or these cool items that they stole or who knows what else (laughs) um so, so there's that, but there's also uh, actual time uh, distortion that can occur. Like how much time lapsed mm-hmm. versus where you were and you, maybe where you're you were back gone to. for minutes, but you come back, it's been three years. Fuck. Maybe you were gone for five years and you come back and it's been an hour. That's extreme. I was it thinking like days, weeks. And it can be anywhere in between that right. too, but oh, yeah. it can be very extreme. In the name of the wind, Wink both goes to uh, the Fae. He is gone for I think a year and a half, and he comes back three hours later or something like Fuck. that. Yes, it's it's pretty crazy. Hyperbolic time chamber. Pretty much. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Equivalent. I saw you yesterday. How did you level <laughs> twice? <laughs> now I'm Super Saiyan too. <laughs> um. So. Uh, so yeah. And that's the basics of vanilla D&D lore when it comes to the Feywild. But for variations, a lot of variations go back to um, the the mythology and lore we have that the Feywild's based off of. The Feywild and all things that are Fey come from like old Celtic, Scottish, Irish, English, and just general Western European mythology. And uh, the Fey was kind of like their equivalent of like the supernatural um, or the spirits of nature and fairies, which were the sole inhabitants of uh, the Fae, uh, were very mischievous and mysterious and mystical beings that could that were very dangerous and unpredictable. Right, and okay. again, they had that blue orange morality, which we'll get to in another episode, which just made it so you didn't want to deal with them at all. Yeah, and it's actually in a lot of those stories very that foreign uh, feelings from yeah, these, these creatures. Yeah, very much so. And it's in a lot of these stories that you uh, you get a lot of the uh, things that you see now in D anD D, like the time dilation and the and the memory loss and stuff like that. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's actually really cool stuff to read about. I highly recommend you go checking out. Sweet if you're to mess a game, with your players. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And some of it is like really dark stuff. Um, like there's the the mythology of what's called the changeling, in which a human baby is stolen from its crib by a fae creature and replaced by a fae baby that looks identical. And the humans that raise their child don't know it till it's too late, but the child grows up into some fae creature and then runs off one day and then they've lost their child. Isn't that like the hag? 
The hag does that. Yeah, that's one of the things that does creepy. that. But the hag does that. Yeah, like you just uh, raise this kid, and they're like, "Okay, thanks, bye." Yeah, and that's the thing about the uh, the hag specifically, because hags are evil. Yeah, and uh, well, they're, they're raising another hag. They're raising another hag yeah. that looks normal until I believe it reaches puberty or something like that, and then it becomes a hag. Yeah, but um, there is no raising that child. Well, not in the in the in the normal lore, there is no raising that child to be good. Okay. That child is inherently evil, and when it when it turns hag it's it's over yeah it's a hag now it's a hag now like it's gonna your be child's been god th- this whole time yeah and uh um, they eat it right i don't know maybe yeah probably so maybe um, something weird it reminds me of the movie that i saw a year or two ago called the witch okay in which the baby was stolen at the beginning of the horror movie and yes that baby was killed and it was very gruesome looking and oh. it was really nasty it was, a, it was a really dark horror movie um and uh, again, like even like those those stories of witches and whatnot, that all kind of you can kind of see it goes back further to Celtic mythology with babies being stolen. Right. And I was reading some actually really sad things, but I won't get into now. Was maybe why those stories started to crop up. But needless to say, there are uh, other stories as well where like fey creatures try and woo men or women mm-hmm. and and seduce them and okay. or make deals. That's another big one with fey creatures. They like to make deals and like. The, it's usually the moral of the story is they shouldn't have made the deal and like this is how it all went wrong. Like making a deal with a dragon. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, kinda. Except yeah. for I way, 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 way rather make a deal with a dragon. Like any day. Oh week. yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Because uh, a dragon will likely keep its word. Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of chaotic evil dragons, but like at least you can kind of understand the mentality behind a dragon. Like the fey creature, you just you got no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay, so when it comes to the Feywild um, and the creatures that live there, uh, the Fey inhabitants, they are kind of divided into major categories. Um, okay. Seely and Unseely. Right. Um, now, the Seely Court and the Unseely Court are both a categorization, but they're also a place. Um, theoretically, okay. like, they don't have to be. You don't have to run your Feywild like that. I'm going to be honest. I actually don't. But... Um, Generally speaking, the ruler of the Seely Fey, which are kind of the, they're considered the good ones. Okay. Uh, I ended up looking up and seeing that the word Seely is an old Middle English word, which means happy, lucky, mischievous, um, and and stuff like that. And it's actually what became the word silly. Nowadays. Okay. Cool. Um, That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So I, still still under the still under the Fey the the Fey bullshit, but you'd rather. Uh, hang out with those guys You'd probably rather deal with them right and on the surface they're also they they tend to be more beautiful and more good looking they're the classic fairies that you probably are used to in today's uh modern culture like tinkerbell yeah. probably would be a seely fay um and they're ruled over by uh the fa- the queen of fairies whose name varies from mythos to mythos but i think classically she's known as titania okay and i believe her husband is oberon and um they um, are very noble and proud fae, and uh, but generally... They're, they're on the level of a god, though, right? Not quite. Like Close. Titania and Oberon are what we, you would consider to be arch fae, and so they're, the t- they're powerful enough that a warlock may make a deal with them and siphon power from them. Okay. Um, so they're more powerful than a level 20 character, because a level 20 warlock is still siphoning power from them. Right, got so it. So they're like on demi demigod level kind of deal more like a spiritual presence that like kind of rules over the fey yeah bit. yeah but at the same time they do have a physical 
appearance and like they they have a place there is a throne you can go crystal throne you can go there and touch them yeah like theoretically i mean well they'll kill you but yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh and again like with the with the sealy phase like they either considered good they're a nightmare to deal with and they have their own rules that like you'll never understand and you might not get right and that might get you killed because you showed up and you didn't make the right gesture like you if you don't show up with the right kind of gift uh you'll probably get killed on the spot yeah, they'll like, take it as disrespect. Yeah, and these things, these beings aren't necessarily evil, even though like you consider that pretty damn evil. Yeah, they're just they're it's acting just, on their on exactly. their morality because what you did was considered evil. Oh, okay, in in, a, in its own How uh, dare kind of way. You? I know. <laughs> um, so uh, things like uh, elves and Eladrin, they would kind of fall on that side of the Seely Fae. Although elves aren't actually Fae, they just have Fae ancestry. Um, same with gnomes. Um, things like. Um, Sater probably err more on the side of the Seely Fae than on the Unseely Fae. Okay. Uh, dryads, the same kind of deal. Uh, sprites and pixies and whatnot. If you're finding, like, I guess when you're finding creatures like that, mm-hmm. you are you can bank that you're in the Fae, or can you find creatures like that outside of the realm that is the Fae? You can find them outside, but it's way, way rarer, and usually the reason you're finding them outside is because it's really close to a Fae crossing. Yeah, reality it's, is rubbing together somewhere. Exactly. Okay. Um, on, the, on the other side of things are the Unseelie Fae, ruled by a queen called the Queen of Air and Darkness, who is very scary, but very beautiful. Um, not necessarily evil, but the, the unseelie fae are on the more grotesque side of things. Okay. Um, goblins kind of fall on that side and goblins oh. are very traditionally fae. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. I would point towards the movie Labyrinth is actually a good example of them being fae-esque where, um, David Bowie plays the goblin king. <laughs> yeah. He's got all those goblin people and it's a very fae-esque world that, uh, the protagonist ends up kind, Lots kind of, of odds, having to very strange shit going on. Yes. Um, David Bowie. David, yeah. <laughs> David Bowie is a fake creature. R.I.P. David all Bowie. You, or Respect. he was. He was a fake creature for all you, those of you who did not know that. Um, so uh, things like Fomorians, which are like really grotesque looking giant creatures that live in the fey dark. Um, fa- fairies that happen to be dark or evil-ish would fall into Unseelie. Um Maybe, uh, what were they called? Uh, I think they're called blights. They're like plant, they're like corrupt tree type creatures they oh, could okay. be maybe considered unseely um maybe like even a, tree a shambling mound no they're like uh tree like humanoid looking things made of vines and branches and whatnot they're usually evil they're not necessarily fey but like they kind of have ties to fey they might make their home in the fey they might make their home in the fey like they the might, mound. Might, might be a huge population of them in the fey made by maybe a dark wizard of some sort i like the shambling um, mound a lot by the way that's oh, like yeah. probably cool one of my creature, favorites right? uh, again that one's not traditionally fey but it's so fey like i'm like it's fey in my world yeah man um, that was um i like how they suck stuff up i like uh almost like the gelatinous cube how yeah. that's like sucking stuff up yeah that, those creatures are pretty cool. They're just fun. There's just yeah. something fun about them. Because they feel less like a, uh, a malevolent monster, more like a force of nature. Yeah, anything that can suffocate you. Yeah. Pretty much. Is, <laughs> okay, is, yeah. Is, is like, that makes the fight really real. Yeah, because it's like, oh shit, like, I, could, I could drown or I could stop breathing or be crushed. Thinking yeah, of the Shambling scary. Mound is uh, making me remember how much damage my character took. Maybe we should take a short rest. I, I think that sounds like Roll a good idea. Die. Let's, let's do it. All right. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash realm hey everybody we want to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening and watching um as always we really appreciate it um you know but before we get into talking about how you can find us and our stuff uh we wanted to talk about a podcast will do you have anything to say about that yeah the podcast we want to talk about is a really cool one which i've become quite a big fan of called the stubborn heroes it's a very uh i I, in my experience, it's a very funny adventure, which I get a lot of laughs out of. 
uh, where a group of four guys get around in a, a table and just play the game, and it's it's a load of fun. Um, we got a soundbite from them. Check it out. Yeah, I know you guys are listening to uh, are looking for a lot of live game stuff out there, so go ahead and listen to this. Hey, everybody. My name is Adam, and I host the D&D 5th Edition podcast called The Stubborn Heroes. Here's a sample of the show. I'm afraid an 11 persuasion is not going to persuade me. And it just sounds crazy to you. What are you talking about again? Oh, just forget about it. You would never understand. You won't give me the glowing orb thing to play with. I can't play with any swords on the wall. This is no fun. I will talk to a bird. Hi. How are you? Hi. (laughs) Hello there, bro. Hi there. (laughs) I am done with the game. (laughs) I am the being of a thousand. Well, that's a little bit creepy. Um, then I'm just gonna pull out my bow and shoot an arrow right into his head. Okay, what's Whoa! more? No, no, what's more effective? I'm gonna. I have a great sword. I'm gonna cut him right in half. <laughs> you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Twitter, or any of your favorite podcasting apps. All at Stubborn Heroes. Thanks for listening. So yeah, to check out the Stubborn Heroes, you can find them on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or anywhere else podcasts can be found. Um, you can also feel free to tweet them at Stubborn Heroes. Um, I highly recommend it. Please go check it out. As do I. Uh, as you probably know, you can find us on SoundCloud.com or anywhere you can get podcasts, but we really need people to get on iTunes, start leaving us ratings and reviews. I know a lot of you listen on iTunes, and that would be a great help to us. Um, you can also find us at, on Twitter, at The Dungeon Cast. Um, and uh, we're getting real close to our uh, our YouTube goal here, Will. Yeah, yeah, we are. I, I suspect that probably sometime the week this episode airs, we will be announcing our winner winner of uh, Volo's Guide, which to enter that, you had to be one of our first 100 subscribers who also left a comment, and which we will roll a die and see who wins. Yeah, make sure, make sure you comment. You can subscribe but not comment, and that would be bad news. Um, mm-hmm. You wouldn't be technically entered. Make sure you comment, but... Uh, we're at 98 subscribers as we're recording this, so by the time you're hearing it, hopefully it's too late. But if not, you know, get on there. But it, <laughs> yeah. it probably will be. <clears throat> but yeah, if you want to support us here, if you want to hear more from us about all this uh, crazy mumbo jumbo that is D and D, which we are loving doing this, by the way, uh, we we just we really need the support. We need the likes. We need the subscribes, and we need uh, to get people talking about it because that's that's how uh, that's how we're gonna grow is uh, you know word of mouth and. Uh, you know the algorithms that are what YouTube is. So yeah, don't yeah. don't don't keep don't be selfish. Don't keep us to yourselves. <laughs> tell your friends. Okay, yeah. Don't be that way. You know, be generous and tell your friends about us because we want them to know and uh, we want we want as many people. Uh, we want to get you know just tell word of mouth. Just tell everyone. Tell everybody. Tell them. Tell your mom. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get back to the show. I, I told think my short, mom. I think the short rest is over, Ryan. Yeah. Um. How many hit die did you use? All of them. Let's oh, go. Oh shit. <laughs> Okay, bye. All right, Brian, so let's go back to uh, the first thing you said to me at the beginning of this episode, because I actually feel now, thinking about it, that I didn't do such a great job as to painting that picture that you asked me to paint. Well, I mean, I would rate the work you did, except you never did it. Oh, oh, geez. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, I want to paint a picture of the Feywild because uh, the Feywild is a very visual and beautiful place, and I feel like it deserves that. The Feywild is, again, kind of going back to what I said, it's it's the real world dialed to 11, and in a lot of the, the works that I've read that describe the Feywild or the Fey or something similar to it, um, everything just becomes more vibrant. 
Greens are greener, blues are bluer, water tastes sweeter. Um, in the name of the wind, I believe, Quoth describes like the very air he breathes just fills him with life and exuberance. Um, uh, magic just tinges the air. It's like you can just feel like an energy all around you. Um, there are going to be uh, beautiful, beautiful landscapes, like more, more uh, beautiful than any artist could ever render through paint or digital means. Um, <laughs> there are going to be uh, just crystals that like grow out of mountains uh, made of gemstones that don't exist in the regular material realm. Cities that are built by uh, by more civilized creatures like Aladrin are going to be. Uh, much more intricate and expansive and made of crazy materials and the architecture is going to be outlandish and and magnificent um everything's just just dialed to 11 just it's just out of this world quite literally and um and the beings that live there we've talked a little bit about it about it but um kind of to get a little more into it like things like centaurs are going to live there Ooh. uh things like unicorns Ooh. um uh, th- just the regular animals are going to be more um, um, magnificent in their in their own way. Uh, like uh, a horse that isn't a unicorn or centaur from the Feywild might have a more luxurious mane and maybe be a little bit larger or maybe um, run a little bit faster. Like th- there there are things jump like a that. little bit higher. There are variations. Yeah, jump a little higher. There are variations of uh, regular animals like uh, rather than dogs or creatures called blink dogs, which are um, Wolf-like hounds that are also capable of inherent teleportation abilities. Oh, like Misty Step. Uh yeah, kind of like Misty Step. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, there are creatures like uh, Displacer Beasts, which are really grotesque, like uh, emaciated-looking, like panther creatures with like really sharp angles that are, but they're also really big. But they also have like uh, weird tentacles that kind of grow out of their shoulders. Oh my! And uh, they're deadly hunters. They're like panthers or lions or tigers, just like. Dialed to 11 on top of the, the grotesque tentacles and whatnot. Um, the Feywild is a dangerous place because of creatures like this. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Um, it's it's a crazy place. Okay. So that's that's the best. I would. Uh, that's my take on painting your fucking picture. You've done real good. And uh, I would say I would take my vacation there if I didn't know how fucked up it no, was. Yeah, you would never want to take a vacation there. Besides, you might not even remember the vacation. Yeah. Well, that might be a good thing if it's a bad one. But, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I hope um, time doesn't go by in the real world. That, uh, less time, like I'm in there for some days, and I come out, and it's only been some minutes. That would be a good vacation. Yeah, that's that's uh, your best your best <laughs> scenario. Uh, the worst is you're gone for an hour, and you come back, and it's been five years. Five that's years, devastating, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about the inhabitants. Maybe we'll go a little bit more in depth, but I want to talk about some variations I've seen. Okay. Um, one of which I use um, pretty regularly whenever I'm portraying a Feywild. And it's from a podcast I used to listen to so long ago called Critical Hit. That's probably still going. I haven't listened to that podcast in oh, forever. Yeah, check that out. But they have a – they played fourth edition. And uh, they um, they had a, a really cool story arc where they go into the Feywild and whatnot. And one of the cool things that I took from um, Rodrigo – that was the name of the DM. Rodrigo, who's a really cool DM, he – had this whole concept of the Feywild kind of being divided into four seasons, and each season had its own Archfey or Sovereign, which oh. um, presided over not just the seasons in the Feywild, but they also had effect on the seasons in the real world. And um, these were completely made up by him, as far as I know. 
and uh, he just had his own sovereigns for each. And I know that um, I was reading some old fourth edition lore on like Archfey, and what I ended up doing for my world is I just took some of the, those Archfey. Uh, I took a couple of them, reskinned them, and then made them my um, my uh, season sovereigns, if you will. And then okay. I made up. Uh, another one of my own and then i took another one from like old greek mythology i took basically the god pan and then made him this the arch fey sovereign of uh spring or no summer he was summer was he spring no he was summer okay and um pan's a pretty cool guy love of nature yeah yeah you know nature plus he's um he's traditionally uh satyr and satyrs are fae creatures in D &D. cool and so it just kind of all added up made sense and i kind of went with a whole they not only presided over uh, different aspects of the seasons. I also made them preside over other aspects of nature, like Pan uh, was specifically um, kind of like a patron deity, if you will, of like things like satyrs and centaurs and other beasts of the wood. Okay. Um, like, not to say he was the equivalent to um, the god of nature that I have in my world, but like he was, he was an entity of nature. Right. All right. Um, and th- this is just that presides one primarily over Fey. Yeah, the preso- exactly. So that would make it. Um, yeah, it makes so, sense that it would be separate from the. Nature. So I I took that from Critical Hit, and uh, I thought it was just a really cool variation on the, what is the Feywild, and um, uh, I've seen um, there is a book series which I can't claim that I've read, but I've read the wiki on. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to remember because I read this so long ago. It's Good a, enough. It's a series called Aberat. Okay. And it's it's definitely geared more towards young adults. Um, I mean, if I had read this book when I... That's why I never read it. Like, I didn't hear about the book till I was probably like 19, and I tried to read it, and I was like, this is cool, but it's not for me because I'm too old now. Maybe down in the but 13 If, if I had read this range. when I was 13, though, this would have been my shit. Okay. Um, but one of the super cool things that the author from that series kind of did with their um, their alternate reality, because like this is it's a book series in which like a kid from our world ends up in a different magical world. All it's right. not the Feywild, but like, it's very reminiscent of Fey-type things. Kind of like Narnia. Kind of like Narnia. Well, yeah, kind of like Narnia. Narnia it definitely has some Fey aspects to it, yeah. so you're right there. And and the time dilation thing happens with Narnia. Yeah, yeah there we go. That's actually a good point. Um, but uh, in in the world of Aberat, um, there is there is an actual physical map of okay. the geography of the whole realm, if you will. But as you travel in different directions, time changes. Oh. And so on. on in so one the map city, could change, huh? So the map might change. Is that no, the map doesn't change. It's just time. Like imagine if the time zones that everyone's in right now just stopped. Okay. And so, like, what time is it right now? Uh, three, three forty in the afternoon. Yeah. Imagine it's just now. It's just in California. It's three forty forever. And oh then, damn! Yeah. Oh, like how it's perpetually twilight. Exactly. So, like, I get you. as you venture, I think it. I what a shitty say. time of day! You're always in traffic. Well, I think the the <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the antagonist of of that story, I think, was like the king of midnight or whatever. Okay, just, I thought it was a really cool concept, and it, for me, that was the first time I'd seen it. But it's actually um, probably not the first time that's ever been done. Um, I just think it's another cool variation. Well, a classic D and D says that the Feywild is supposedly constantly twilight. I like the idea of time being wonky like that. Okay, in different regards, that's cool. Um, trying to think of how other... hard is it to keep track of that as a dm very like, yeah well, for me it, it's, it's very hard because it's like you got all these different rules on top around of your all head the other you things just, you i just gotta do the best you can yeah. but i love the feywild there's just something so <clears throat> enticingly mystical about it for me it's just like i 
I'm so glad you guys uh, in the campaign went the route that you did because I was like, cool, we're getting into some face shit now. It was fun, awesome. yeah. I like the um, things that happened there. They were real like abstract and like yeah, yeah. difficult to deal with. Like, right. You don't go about problem solving in the Fey with conventional checks and means. It's always there's always yeah. a, like some roundabout thing we had to do. Right. Which exactly. made things real. It made me. It made everybody like in character expand themselves and and think in a way they normally wouldn't. So it was, yeah, it, was, it really did. Brought a it brought a different feel to the game. Yeah, I think the the difficulties you guys went through with. Um, a lot of the Fey trials that you went through kind of brought the party closer together through your tribulations. Yeah. Um, we had we yeah. relied on... Everybody played a, a pretty major role in getting through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, let's get back to inhabitants when it comes to the Feywild. So the, most of the Feywild is exactly, as the name implies, uh, wild. It's untamed, right. uncivilized, uh, just untouched by man. Um, but there are races that are inherently civilized that do make their homes there. Um, namely gnomes is a big one. Yeah. They're bringing Um, some semblance of order to their community. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, elves do live there, but most elves have fate ancestry and do not live there. They just are descendant of, um, those who did used to live there, which is interesting to me because elves come from Nordic mythology and have nothing to do with Celtic mythology. But it actually meshes pretty well, if you ask me. I think it's pretty fitting. I don't know. Would would elves like living in the Fae? Is that is well, that why most wouldn't? Because it's kind of like dumb to be there. I I think that uh, in in fourth edition lore is kind of what I'm going back to in my head right now. And like a lot of elves left because they just liked it better in the prime material yeah. realm. And okay. like those that stayed and those that left kind of diverged in their evolution, if you will. And there's a race from fourth edition, which actually made it into the player's handbook numero okay. uno. And it did not make it into the player's handbook of fifth edition, but it is, um, um, an optional race in the dungeon master's guide. And it's a variation on elves called the Ladrin. Okay. Which are basically elves that stayed in the Fey and never left. Okay, yeah, you dropped um, the name and I was like, did we encounter that? No, I don't think we, we did. We haven't. I thought about talking about it in the elves episode, but they're so different. We already had three sub-races to talk about. I know, yeah. That I was like, ah, we'll probably do an Eladrin episode. And we probably will do an Eladrin episode. And if it's maybe if it's not enough to cover a whole episode, maybe we'll we'll fuse it with throw Shatter it into Kai. The, we could always throw it into the Monster Mythos one that we we're going to do on Fey stuff, too. We could. My thought is like we might do a, like a split episode where we talk about Eladrin and we talk about Shatter Kai because they're very much equivalents of each other. Okay, cool. On opposite ends. But uh, the Eladrin are... They look like elves, um, except for that their eyes are uh, one color. They they don't have like an iris or a pupil. It's just one solid. Oh, I see. Color, like one palette, usually like green or gold or purple or blue. Okay. Um, they're very fairy esque looking. Um, they're very much like high elves, so they're they're super into magic and they're really well trained and they're really intelligent and whatnot. Um, and just like high elves are super full of themselves, their hair tends to be incredibly fair. Like it's very rare you'll see an Eladrin with like black hair. Okay. Usually it's silver or white or gray or blonde. Yeah, that's about it. Maybe blue. Yeah. Okay. Maybe really light blue, light, super light green, something along those lines. Gotcha. Um, and uh, they make their home in incredibly elaborate and beautiful cities that they. Uh, make arcanely in the Feywild. Interesting. Um, unlike Wood Elves, they're not super about living um, alongside nature. They dominate nature with their magic, and they make huge crystal palaces and huge, crystal everything. They love okay. crystals. So gotcha. All the crystals. Um, but yeah, so uh, there, there's a lot of lore about Ladrum, but we'll get into that in okay. another episode. Um, 
but they're in the Fey. They're in the Fey. Satyrs are semi-civilized. They kind of they kind of roam from place to place in like traveling troops. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know what a satyr is, they're kind of like half goat, half men who are kind of super into drinking and seducing women. <laughs> if you've seen Hercules, you've seen yeah, Phil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's a satyr. Uh, they he's all definitely play the, not a traditional satyr. Do they all play the pan flute? Uh, yeah, generally speaking, they all play instruments, and you know they, they're just party animals. That's all they do. Like, Are they all sexually deviant? They're super sexually deviant. That's mm. kind of their thing. Yeah, neat. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, things like unicorns and get off me, you fucking satyr. And, and get off me! I said, get off me. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> um, and also, there's no lady satyrs. They're all men. Mm. Uh, so, anyways. Mm. Um, do you, what, do you have any questions about the Feywild? Like, what um, am I not covering here? My only question is, can we stop talking about satyrs? Because I'm a little weird. Yeah, about we're it. moving on. No more satyr talk <laughs> until the Monster Mythos episode when we're okay. talking about satyrs. Yeah, I need a break. Yeah, man, I would feel you there. I'm not <laughs> a big fan of satyrs myself. I wouldn't. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not fine. They were a playable them. race in fourth edition for oh, a second there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm sure they will be in this eventually. Role play, role play that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so do you got any questions for me about the Feywild? Like, uh, no, I like how it's very natural. Um, I like how pretty I can imagine it and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there large bodies of water in the Fey? Oh, ever? yeah, of course. Like, There's going to be huge lakes that the water is as clear as crystal, you know. Does the Fey ever butt up against the ocean? Is that um, ever a thing? I, you know what? You don't see it a lot, but why wouldn't it? And okay. I imagine that would be a spectacular scene, like so the, the Fey, Fey ocean. Oh, thinking, my gosh, yeah, it would be beautiful. I was thinking, like, the, are there... Are there now like, I want to wa- put you guys there. <laughs> are, are there water Fey? Are there, like... I mean, water nymphs would be definitely existent in the Fey. And, like, I for there's not really a, a monster template for that in the monster manual, but it's really easy to do i would probably take the dryad from the monster manual okay uh change all of its stuff to be more um water based rather than plant based Uh uh-huh maybe tack on a couple traits from say like the triton race uh out of the volo's guide or uh the uh the water genasi race out of the uh the player's companion to elemental evil okay uh, something along those lines okay and bam you got yourself a water nymph yeah i've heard there's a a kind of a shortage on like water and air stuff as far as like elemental stuff goes yeah I mean, compared to like earth and fire things. Yeah, I guess there is. I'm trying to think what's in the monster manual right now. Right when you said earth and fire, I thought of like five monsters. <laughs> so yeah, you're probably right. Oh, um, well, that'd be cool. Yeah, reskinning is is, uh, is an okay thing to do. Oh, yeah. So. It's highly encouraged, and I can't wait to talk about that when we do like an encounter building episode or something. Yeah. But back to the Feywild. Um, it's so, a scary, dangerous, beautiful place. And go ahead. Oh yeah, well, typically in the jungles, but you can you can imagine it like anywhere, like not underwater. Would it be ever underwater? Why not? Like okay. I say, why not? Like I mean, it would be. I imagine very take uh, like super tropical, um, like Great Barrier Reef, and then turn that up to eleven. Why not? Cool, um, man. Yeah, I'm always thinking with these um, with these crossovers and realities. I'm thinking of like if you drew like. Um, the prime material plane as an ellipses, and then maybe on a different axis you draw another ellipses, and that's where the fey kind of bubbles out, and uh, like it that's a cool way to look takes at this it. area, and like the shadow thaw is another one, and maybe their their intersectionality might like cross, and you can do all kinds of weird stuff. Right, right. Um, so what makes the what made the fey? Did something make the fey? Well, in um, in like the creation mythos, it's usually something along the lines of. Um, the God, what are they called? The the primordials mm-hmm. and the gods kind of together created the world, and the primordials were really um, um, involved in the actual material part of it all, in okay. like the elements of rock, fire, 
uh, you know, water, air, and all that. Right. And they're the ones that kind of like pushed aside the bits that didn't fit into the image of the prime material realm, and that coalesced into the reflections. Okay. But that's um, so there hasn't been a lot of like hard drawn fact mythos in fifth edition for this stuff. There just okay. really hasn't been. Um, and Chris Perkins, who is like one of the lead guys over at Wizards of the Coast, has basically said when it comes to the Feywild and stuff, go ahead and just use the fourth edition stuff for now. So that's kind of what I'm talking about here when I talk about that creation mythos. Okay. When it comes to the uh, creation of the Feywild and the um, Shadowfell. Cool. So, yeah. But um, fourth edition lore always seems pretty cool. Yeah, like, when we I talk just, about it. Yeah, I, I think so. And also, like, I'm super steeped in it because I played fourth edition D and D for like five years. Oh, so, man. like, I, I I DM'd most of it, so I just know a lot about it. Cool. Um, you were talking about like, can the Feywild be underwater? I'm saying, hell yeah, it can. Um, you know, you don't usually think desert when you think of Feywild, yeah. but like, why the fuck not? It could be just like these like expansive plains of like white sand where like random crystals grow out of the ground and whatnot and like the sun is shining uh like hot white and like the sky is like a crazy blue and you know like it could that sounds you know, awesome yeah it still seems fae like to me and like there could be like different types of like fae type creatures like maybe go- like weird fae type goblins roam the land and like maybe there are some like big entrances to the fae dark reformorians come to the surface maybe hunt down things and who knows like it could be whatever you want like yeah like don't feel limited because of what is cliche um and don't feel limited by what is the vanilla D D lore not that there's anything wrong with that lore that lore is awesome but you know you're you're a dungeon master it's your job to make the world your own yeah branch out make it yours definitely absolutely is there anything else we want to talk about before wrapping it up? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I can't like really think of anything off the top of my head right now. Yeah. Um, we're doing good. If we're missing anything, please leave a comment and let us know, and we'll make sure to cover it in future Faye episodes because I'm sure we're going to do a lot more about these. Um, yeah, let us know what you guys want to hear about. Like That helps me like decide what I need to look up and talk about. Yeah, that always, that comes along with um, giving leaving us feedback and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Every piece of feedback we've mm-hmm. gotten... Uh, we've implemented and uh, I want to just do since we didn't do it in the bump I wanted to make a quick shout out to my buddy Sandy at work who uh, oh. who gave me some real good ideas that we're using in this episode oh so, yeah, yeah yeah thanks a lot Sandy <laughs> Thank thanks you. for all your help man you're a good guy absolutely alright yeah I think that's it alright thanks everybody have a good one see have you later one. tell your friends bye tell your mom peace Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.